so wonderful to have uh, another opportunity to sing praises to the Lord and to be together to worship Him. Appreciate uh, all who've uh, stayed for the third hour uh, and excited about sharing with you tonight a lesson from God's Word that has to do with the state of our heart. We sang a song uh, to start with in this hour, Purer in Heart, Purer in Heart, O God, Help Me to Be. Satan realizes that our hearts are the core of our being, and for that reason, he constantly is attacking our hearts every day. And the title of the lesson is Heart Attack. That may seem a little dramatic, but in fact, that's what Satan's trying to cause, really. That's what he's trying to do, is attack our hearts. When we talk about the heart and we talk about Satan's efforts, he wants to fill our hearts with darkness, with things that are bad, that will destroy us. As our physical heart uh, is the, the, so key to our, our very lives, it's essential uh, role, one, one of the organs that has an essential role in our lives. Um, so it is that our spiritual heart is vital to us. Our, you know, you think about this physical heart, this blood pump, that's not what the Bible means when it uses the word heart uh, most all of the time, if not all the time. Uh, but when you think about this physical blood pump that we have, all of us in the middle of our chest, um, what it's doing is sending nutrients to the rest of the body uh, oxygen and other nutrients so that we might live. And, and when that heart ceases to do its work, the rest of us dies. That's exactly what our spiritual heart does, right? The Bible tells us that the Lord has given us His Spirit in our hearts. And the Bible also tells us that the Spirit is life. And that the words of Jesus are spirit and life. So you put all of that together. You think about God's spirit uh, animating, giving life to us spiritually in our hearts and through our hearts, our spiritual hearts. And if the spiritual heart then can be attacked by Satan, can be diseased by Satan, can be darkened by Satan, then our spiritual lives can be destroyed. So that's, that's the metaphor, at least. That's the thought of this lesson, how to keep Satan from successfully assaulting us. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, Ananias and Sapphira had sinned uh, against God. They had sold a piece of land, brought a part of the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, pretending as if apparently it was the whole sum. Peter said to Ananias in Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land. Think about that phraseology. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Satan's always trying to fill our hearts with evil things that get us to do bad things, that get us to turn against God, but that will ultimately destroy our spiritual lives. Satan is a mighty foe. I think we understand that. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a flesh and blood heart that we're talking about. And it's not a, it's not a flesh and blood war that we're fighting with Satan. It's a spiritual war. 
We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's important to have a sound heart, a healthy heart, not just physically, but now especially as we think spiritually. The condition of your heart is critical to your spiritual health. It's as critical more so to your spiritual health maybe than your physical heart is to your physical health. It determines, your spiritual heart does, it determines who you are. You are who you are in your heart. Now, we trick ourselves sometimes, our hearts, we lie to ourselves about who we are, but the real who we are is what's in our hearts. You can look at Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 19. The wise man says that as in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. You are what you are in your heart. That reveals who you are. It determines who you are. In Luke 6 and verse 45, Jesus said, a good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Notice what comes out of people comes from their heart. It reveals who they are. It determines who they are in the sight of God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth not only speaks, as Jesus says it does, but it lives. It does all that it does. What comes out of us comes from the heart. So it guides, the heart does, our thoughts and our actions. Mark chapter 7 and verse 21. Similarly, Jesus says there, from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come within, from within and defile a man. They come from the heart. So the, the heart is guiding our thoughts. It's guiding our actions, the evil thoughts, the evil actions, good thoughts and good actions as well. Our, thought, our heart would, guard, would guide those as well. How important is the heart? We sang the song, pure in heart, Lord, help me to be, that I, thy holy face, one day may see. And that feeds on a line in Matthew chapter 5 uh, and in verse 8, where Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's important that our hearts be pure because our hearts will determine our eternal destiny. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So Satan tries to attack the heart. And we're going to talk a little while about what he attacks the heart with. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what he attacks the heart through. That is the conduits that he uses to get into our hearts. So think about uh, how he attacks us. What war does he wage on the heart? Well, lust is obviously a huge problem. He attacks through our desires and uh, gets them pointed in the wrong direction, gets us to try to fulfill desires that are in our heart in a way not pleasing to God. That's the very definition of what lust is. John said in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 that all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. All of those things are temporary things, but Satan wants us to focus on them. He wants us to desire them and focus on them and love them. 
any man loves the world, though, John says, the love of the Father is not in him. If he can get us to desire these things so much that we love them more than we love God, then he's ruined our hearts, and we've ruined our eternal destinies. But lust gets into the heart. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 25, the wise man there, Solomon says, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, talking about an evil woman, a seductress. He says, do not lust for her beauty, after her beauty, in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. It's the heart where lust occurs, sexual lust in particular, but all evil desire comes out of the heart. Jesus warning about sexual lust says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, both of these verses talk about lust being in the heart and the problems that causes. And the reality of it is that if we give our hearts to lustful desires, our heart is sick. Our heart is diseased. And whatever else good we may be doing or think we may be doing or think that however good we think we are, if our heart is given to lust, we are defiled and we are diseased. I read a story some time ago about two Buddhist monks. And it was a very rainy day. They were traveling together through the rain. They came to a river and were going to cross the river. And they noticed a woman, nicely dressed, a beautiful woman on this side of the river, same side they were on, and she was also needing to cross. And so one of the Buddhist monks asked, how may I help you? Can I help you? And she said, yes, I need to cross the river, but I can't get across. I think uh, the current is too swift for me and I'm afraid to cross it. And so the, the, this monk immediately picks her up, puts her on his shoulder and carries her across the river and just sits her down on the other side. And the two Buddhist monks then go on their way. The woman goes on her way. The Buddhist monks get back to the monastery, and that night as they're preparing to go to bed, the one guy that didn't carry the woman across says to the other one, he says, I'm really disturbed about what you did today. He says, we're part of an order, this religious order, that we're not, we're not supposed to look at a woman, let alone touch her, and you carried this woman across the river. And the other one said, right, I carried her across the river, and I put her down. And I haven't thought about it since, but you've been carrying her in your heart ever since. It's what's in the heart that God is looking at. And God knows what's in our hearts. He knows if lust is there and living in our hearts. And men and women, all of accountable age, be sure of that. that God knows what's in your heart. And if Satan has got lust in your heart, I guarantee you it's killing you spiritually. We must fight against it. We must do all we can to prevent it. Covetousness. The world is eaten up with it. It's eating us up in our hearts if we let it in. In James chapter 4, among other things that are problematic to James as he writes here, is the problem of covetousness. And it 
sort of swirls around several other problems that he mentions. He, he asked the question rhetorically, James chapter 4 and verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your des desires for pleasures that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. All of that relates to the problem of covetousness. Covetousness is mentioned there, but the desires for things and for pleasures and wanting those things and not getting those things and having that eat us up and wanting more that we don't have or don't need, all of that is included, I think, in what James is describing here. And all of it is a problem of the heart. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world affinity with the world, if you will, is enmity with God. We love the world. That means we hate God. We're hostile toward God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. What's the problem with all that? What's causing all of that? Well, it's the desires that are within us, those lusts, first point, for things, for money, What can we do to overcome all of that? We'll talk about overcoming some of these things later. But notice in this very context, if you go on down in uh, James chapter 4, you'll, you'll notice in verse 7 the solution. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Where's all that coming from? Really? It's coming from the devil. He's attacked your heart. What happened with Ananias? Ananias had several desires. I think he desired to look good before men. I think pride was in his way. But I also think plain old covetousness. He wanted more. He didn't want people to know how much he wanted more. So he kept it back secretly. That's covetousness gone to seed. Satan will get into our hearts with covetousness. Wanting things, wanting more, wanting more than we need wanting what others have. It's the root cause of gambling. It's the root cause of uh, people being in debt way over their heads. It's the root cause of cutthroat business practices where people only care about money and not about actually providing a good or a service that helps somebody. It's the root cause of a lot of things. But Satan is getting in people's hearts and is destroying them. Envy is connected to that as well. James, earlier on in James chapter 3, talks about wisdom that does not come from the Lord. He talks about wisdom that does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. That's the New International Version. He says in verse 16, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Envy is a really a mean green monster you know that gets in our hearts and just eats us alive like gangrene it's one it's a kind of a sin it's kind of a heart problem like some physical heart problems that are hard to recognize hard to detect by the person who has the problem as well as maybe others looking in we don't see envy you know it's not something i can put my finger on he's he or she's just envious unless they tell you that but how much is motivated in this world? How much evil is motivated by people being envious of who others have, who other, who, what others have, who they are, 
or what they have achieved or the position that they have in a church or in society or in a family. We talk about uh, the problem, for instance, of sibling rivalry in the family. It's really envy, isn't it? Isn't that really what that is? Most of the time. Satan works on us. And he'll attack us with envy. Proverbs 23, 17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners. Your people, they're sinful. Oh, they get to do this and this, and they don't have to pay a price, and they get away with this or that. That sounds envious to me. I'm sure it sounds envious to God as well. Anger will get in our hearts and destroy us and destroy our hearts. Uncontrolled, unrighteous, and selfish anger. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 9, Solomon says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Notice where the anger lodges. It's staying in, living in, dwelling in the heart. There's the problem. Paul advises and commands in Ephesians 4, 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And then there's pride. Satan attacks the heart with pride. Everyone proud in heart, Proverbs 16, 5 says, is an abomination to the Lord. The Lord despises those who are proud in heart. So here are some heart problems. You know, the physical heart, there are various problems that, you know, you, you can have. Uh, in your heart. You might have angina or, you know, some valve problem or, uh, you know, wh- whatever else, rapid heartbeat, you know, you name it, all kinds of different problems. Uh, ventricular fibrillation, whatever that is. I think that's the rapid heartbeat thing. And all kinds of problems. Here are the problems that Satan tries to get in our hearts to destroy it. Satan attacks the heart through various means. We've talked about the things that he tries to get in our hearts. I want to talk about the conduits, the ways that he gets in there. One is simple idleness. If we turn in our Bibles over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, you find Paul here talking about a situation with widows in the church, young widows, older, older widows, and how uh, they're to be treated, and some of the uh, pitfalls that they face. But he says about younger widows in verse 11 that they're not to be taken into the number to be taken care of uh, for several reasons. But he says among them in verse 13 that they learn to be idle. They learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things that they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. What caused that? What started that? Idleness. That's where that started. You read that context. That's where it started. I was talking about this with somebody just a little bit earlier today. The old saying was, idle hands are a devil's workshop, right? And so is an idle heart. 
And if we don't have our heart passionately, passionately following the things of God, doing the things of God, Satan's going to use that idle heart and, and put in it the things we just talked about earlier and a lot of other things as well. Paul mentions gossiping and being a busybody. You have time on your hands, so you're going to do things that fill your heart, but they're not the things that please God because you haven't kept yourself busy in doing that which is good and focusing on bearing the fruit of the Spirit. So idleness can be a problem. Stay busy in the Lord's work. Stay busy in doing things to glorify God consciously. Make decisions every day to use your time to the glory of God. Secondly, sights and sounds. Satan's going to get in our hearts using sights and sounds. There was a uh, little acronym that we used years ago. GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. Y'all remember that? G-I-G-O. And the thing is that if you put garbage into you, garbage is going to come out of you. But if you put, it could also be good. If you put good into you, then good is going to come out of you. So it works either way, right? Good in, good out. Here, if you put good sights in, good things will come out. Words will come out. Deeds will come out. If you put good sounds in, good sounds will come out. But the same is true of garbage, of bad things. So here are the, here's a conduit Satan can use to get into our hearts. And if we allow him to, you know, if we allow him to do that by looking at garbage or by hearing garbage, he'll get right into our hearts with all of these things. So look at what the Bible says about that. Starting in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22, Jesus said there that the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be filled with light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Lamp of the body is the eye. What you're looking at, what you're focused on, will make the inside of you dark or light. What you hear is going to come out of your mouth and out of your life. Matthew 12 and verse 34, I think that's implied there. Jesus condemning the Jews for some of their attitudes. He asked, how can you being evil speak good things? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you're going to, whatever is a lot in your heart, that's what you're going to speak out. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man, evil things. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All of these things should make us wary about what we see, what we hear. Satan's going to use those conduits, those methods to get into us if he can and if we let him. Tribulation and affliction. We all experience it. We all go through it. Like the conduit of uh, sights and sounds, so it is with tribulation and affliction. It can be used for good. God allows tribulation and affliction in your life to accomplish good things. But Satan can use that same tribulation and affliction to get into your heart to accomplish bad things. If you look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, 
He says, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. A thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So here's something, a tribulation that Paul was experiencing, a thorn in the flesh, he says, and it was from Satan. God didn't want that for the detriment of Paul. He wanted it to teach Paul humility, to help Paul be humble. And Paul was using it for that purpose. Satan would have loved for Paul to use that to blame God, to doubt God, to have a pity party of, of you know, self-centeredness. Well, look, you know, my, my pain and my suffering and nobody cares and poor pitiful me and all of that and, and lead him into some sort of depression. Satan would have loved to use those, that same thing for that outcome. Satan can get into our hearts in a lot of ways. But here are three I think the Bible definitely points to. So how do we guard our hearts? First of all, let's just start with this. We need to guard our hearts, obviously. It's the key to our spiritual lives. Proverbs 4.23 says it this way, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. That is, you are responsible. I am responsible to keep my heart. To guard my heart. My life is not determined, folks, by externals. It's determined by who I am. Who I am is determined by what's going on in my heart. And I am the one who's the gatekeeper of my heart. That's why God holds every one of us personally, personally accountable for our lives. You are personally accountable for your life because you are the guardian of your heart. And if you let Satan into your heart, if you allow the things we talked about on that uh, second slide, all of those things Satan does to the heart, if you allow those things to go on, you're responsible. Keep your heart with all diligence. Proud of it truly are the issues of life. I've used this illustration before, but I, I think it's noteworthy. I've never been uh, to China. I was close, uh, but I've never been to China. Uh, I'd like to see the Great Wall someday. I probably never will. Um, I've seen lots of pictures of it. It's imposing. It's amazing. The length of it. Uh, it's stood there for you know hundreds of years. Here's a little factoid about the Great Wall of China. It has never been breached. It's never been breached. Uh, that probably wouldn't surprise you just by looking at it. It has been infiltrated. In fact, uh, multiple times in history, armies have gotten through the Great Wall of China. You know how they got through? They bribed the gatekeeper. Simple, right? We erect all of these walls in our hearts, you know, we're going to keep Satan out by putting up this fence and this wall, we're going to keep ourselves safe, and then uh, Satan comes in and says, uh, well, you know, what about this lust right here? Okay, I'll take that. And he's right in. We let him in. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. Watch what you watch. 
As we said already, there's the conduit, the looking, the eyes, or the conduit to what gets into your heart. Watch what you watch. Psalm 101 in verse 2, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. With a, notice that. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. How am I going to keep my heart whole and sound and perfect? Next verse. Psalm 101 in verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. That's how. When to guard your heart, don't look at bad stuff. Don't read bad books. Don't look at bad movies, bad television shows. Don't focus on the evil that's around us in the world. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. Some are envious of those who fall away. Oh, they're getting to do all this now, and I don't get to do that. That's not the way the psalmist felt. He wasn't letting that in his heart. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I shall not know wickedness. That is his determination in verse 4. In Psalm 119 and verse 36, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness, he says. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. So he says in Psalm 101, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And then he says, Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Revive me in your way. How much of what we focus on in life is ultimately worthless? And meaningless. But we look at it. We focus on it. We think about it. It occupies our minds. It occupies our hearts. Then it occupies our lives. And then our heart's not what it's supposed to be. Watch what you watch. Watch what you're looking at. Take heed to what you hear. That's what Jesus said in Mark 4 and verse 24. Take heed what you hear. Talk about watching and hearing, the music that we listen to, religious podcasts that we listen to, political podcasts that we listen to, self-help advice that we listen to, all sorts of things that we listen to. We're letting that into our hearts. We've opened the gate. It better be good. It better be good. Take heed what you hear. Watch what you watch. Watch what you're watching on your phones. What about those videos you're watching? What about those things you're hearing along with the videos? All of that goes together. It gets in our hearts. Why are so many of our children today disturbed about things that children should never be disturbed about? Thinking about things and saying things that children should never have to think about or say. When they're looking at TikTok videos and lots of other stuff, most of which is not going to be good for them. Take heed what you watch. Take heed what you hear. Be careful about what and whom you admire. In Psalm 141 and verse, verses 4 and 5, the psalmist says, 
Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. There's a culture that surrounds us, uh, ever-changing, ever-fashionable. Sometimes we call it pop culture. Uh, Involved in it is music and fashion and a lot of other things. A lot of it's harmless, but not all of it. A lot of it's not harmless. And just to open ourselves up to, can I say pop culture, just for lack of a, a better term, to the fashion of, of music and thought and all that goes with that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Be careful then about picking out somebody to idolize or some concept to hook your wagon to, so to speak, in the surrounding world. There, there are not many, if any, I don't know, Hollywood stars or music stars, friends and young people especially, that are worth idolizing. I don't guess anybody's actually worth idolizing, right? Except Jesus. The pop stars of our world may or may not have some admirable qualities. But they're nothing like Jesus. Let's keep focused on Him. Be really cautious about what the world's feeding us. Focus on God's Word. The Bible reading that we're, we always try to go through year by year here at Eastside is important. Just our Bible study, our own personal daily Bible study, besides that and beyond that, um, being able to spend uh, a lot of time virtually every day with the Bible. I'm privileged. I have time to do that. I'm supported, so I can do that. I know a lot of you work long hours, but it's worth every minute that you'll spend with the Bible. Psalm 119 and verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 and verse 12. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever. I've inclined my heart to perform your statutes. Our conclusion this afternoon is this. As the psalmist prayed, let's pray to God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Help me guard my heart and help me be what you want me to be. We'll sing a song here in a moment. Is thy heart right with God? Each of us should ask ourselves that question in this moment. And if there are things we need to straighten out about our hearts, maybe the things we're letting Satan do or access that we're giving into our hearts, we need to really seriously think about altering that, changing it, repenting, uh, doing the thing that needs to be done so our heart can be pure and remain pure. Create, O Lord, a steadfast spirit within me. Help me be and help you be the rock of my heart is what we're asking God. So this afternoon, if you're in need of uh, prayer, of a change of heart, however we can help you, we'd ask you to come while we stand and sing.